yeah i guess that is it okay i think i remember now when some when a guy is masquerading as being nice yeah and um something that i did read is that um the more educated and the more egalitarian women are in societies and the more they they tend to go for men who appear physically to be more feminine okay so they have more physical physical um you know feminine characteristics so you know the the pretty boy kind of look you didn't mention this one last time i've got questions yeah, I'll show you the research. I'll send you the research so a, link. Go on. There's actual research that says for definite that more educated women who are of a higher socio-economic class go for maybe prettier, maybe softer looking men. You know what I've noticed? They go for thinner men. They go for really yeah. slim, like small boned, like guys with thin wrists. Yes. I find them highly erotic. <laughs> Okay, right. So the so there is research yeah. that backs this, and we can post that research. Yeah. Why yeah. why do why do women like that go for men like that? Why do you why do you what's your personal well, theory? Yeah, the the idea is I think that um, when women can provide for themselves, so when there are more equal opportunities for women, yeah. so they can go out to work, they can do this, they can do that. They don't necessarily need to be protected from you know big hairy uh, rapists um trying to drag drag them into the bush <laughs> with a club over the head yeah um so they don't need to you know be protected this if the society is quite safe like i'm talking sweden scandinavia yeah. in, in particular so, um this research the socialist hellholes I, i'm sorry i watched watch yeah conspiracy theory videos i keep hearing that these countries are uh are uh, 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 totally over uh, invaded. You know, people's personal lives are over invaded by governments and so on. But oh, they are. Well, they you, are. You, you've, seen... you've lived in one of these countries, haven't you, for a short time? No, 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 oh. no, not really. Okay. No, but I know okay. someone who has. And um, yeah, you can't you can't actually move house without informing the government. And if you don't, you get seriously penalised. That's 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 fucking outrageous. I've heard some mm-hmm. stories recently of the amount of invasion in there into people's personal lives in in uh, in a scandinavian country and i was i was appalled i was absolutely yeah. but americans look at us in the uk and they're appalled by the amount of government involvement that we endure and we're, we're further appalled by people mm-hmm. who are like up in scandinavia sorry go on scandinavia is being like really promoted as you know like if you look on the news any news article in a newspaper that's saying the best, you know, places to live in Europe, Scandinavia, over and over and over again. I, that, I have seen that a lot, and it's remarkable because it's got one of the fucking highest suicide rates of any yeah. in Europe. Yeah, exactly. Highest alcoholism rates, and yet we're talking oh, yeah. wonderful, wonderful, beautiful countries that really have their shit together. Why is everybody killing themselves? <laughs> I don't get it. It's a mystery. It's a mystery, and I still don't know the answer. But I can vouch for the depressive tendencies, that much I do know. Okay, I will say no more. <laughs> I want to keep my mouth shut. Um, but you, you brought up Scandinavian countries in terms of, of women being able to take care of themselves. And yeah. No need, to, no need to be protected from marauding Vikings. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. So that was the research that I read anyway, which said that 
the higher a woman's level of education, the higher the economic uh, level of the country that she lives in, right. the more attracted she is to the sort of pretty boy type of thing. I have noticed dating girls reluctantly recently uh, that after like two or three dates, you know, there's almost like a point where girls will try and go into girlfriend mode. They'll try and tell me what to yeah. eat. They'll try and tell me how to dress. And the last girl who did it, who's highly educated, I think she's got two degrees, she pointed at some guy in a restaurant and said, why don't you dress more like that? And this fucking douchebag had on a checkered shirt with a short sleeve checkered shirt with fucking uh, half, three-quarter length jeans and those fucking deck shoes with no socks that these rats wear now. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? If you say that again... I'm going to murder you. Don't ever say... <laughs> Look at me. I, 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 I've not grown up yet. I still wear skulls on T-shirts. I think that is good. In fact, I have a skull on my T-shirt now. Look. This, <laughs> this. Nobody will be able to see this, but there is a skull on my T-shirt. But yeah, no, I, 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 I came at it uh, as, a, as, a, as a guy observing it. I came at it as maybe it's a, a, a posturing thing. Maybe these girls want to be seen with a guy who looks like Ryan Gosling. Mm, oh, true. Or whoever the latest skinny rock star is. Whoever the latest, because he's like he's he's upheld as the model of, of the of the new man, as I as I understand it. I mean, obviously, I'm not a lady, and if I was, I would like burly men with beards who could lift weights <laughs> um, and wrestle with lions, etc. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, I'm so sorry. This thing of like the, these slim, these slim guys going out with with, with different women—is it a, like I'm deeply cynical and suspicious? Is it a, a status thing, like a girl saying, "Look, I'm not going out with a lout. I'm going out with this more soft, more gentle-looking man." I don't know. I think part of it is there is a kind of social uh, encouragement to do that as well. And probably what tends to go with that package is someone who is a bit more sensitive, a bit more interesting, you know, doesn't just want to watch the football and grunt. Okay. Um, a bit more cultured, perhaps, a bit more sophisticated. So to keep clarifying what we're talking about, because I don't really think we've been fair enough on this issue. When we're using the word nice guy, it's in inverted commas, and we're actually talking about uh, what well, I think. Um, if I can reframe what you've said, is that the modern woman has been missold this idea of the new man or the nice guy who actually manifests yeah. as a twisted beta. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know this is a controversial um, phrase, controversial description to use, a twisted beta, but looking at it from the point of view of... Mark from what's his Mark, name? Mark McYoung. Mark, Mark McYoung. Animal McYoung. Yeah. He's, he's a fellow combatant yeah. instructor from No Nonsense Self Defense. That's right. Well, that was where I first came across this um, concept that what people perceive as being an alpha mm. male is not necessarily an alpha male. It is what he would call a predatory male. Can you uh, talk to us a little bit about Mark McYoung's whole perspective about the alpha male and the true alpha? 
Yeah, what he says in his um, in his website is that an alpha male leads by example and by inspiration, whereas a predatory male will force people to follow him. So it's about using the threat of violence or actual violence in order to get what he wants. And that is what, you know, our society, the media and things like that uh, perpetuate as being the kind of ultimate alpha male, you know, dominating, domineering, bullying, um, doesn't really kind of consider other people, probably a bit arrogant, a bit loutish, that kind of thing. You know, so that is what I think women such as myself have been conditioned to believe is an alpha male. So an alpha male is a thug, essentially, you know, um, the type of guy will go out and drink 10 pints and then, you know, kick someone in the face and then come home and demand sex, that kind of thing. Please me now. (laughs) Yeah. And that has been, you know, that type of guy has been the reality for a lot of women as well, don't oh, forget, yeah, with domestic violence and, you know, things like that throughout well, history let's, as let's well. Just, let's just remind our, our, our wonderful listeners that we're from an area of, of the UK, which up until the late 80s was classed as uh, third world. The north end of Birkenhead was classed mm-hmm. as one of the most depraved, I know we said deprived areas in the whole of Europe. People were popping up with diseases mm-hmm. that have long since been fucking cured. But you know, it's we're from we're from a poor, well, from a poor northern town. There are a lot of like poor northern towns, but the north end of Birkenhead is renowned for being, or was not anymore, but was renowned for being a terribly dilapidated state. And I think a lot of these communities, these former Irish Catholic communities that were capitals of industry, either through mining or in our case through shipbuilding, that then end up very poor and, and, and basically abandoned, disenfranchised, often come with high mm. levels of domestic violence, alcoholism, drug abuse, and low levels of education. Mm. That's, that's fair, isn't it? Mm. That's fair, except I'm not from the north end of Birkenhead, no, neither are you. Darling. Where are you. You're from Liverpool, aren't you? Yes. Aren't you? No. Um, Where are you from originally? No, I'm a goal. Liverpool. Lancashire. 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 Darling. Lancashire. Actually, to be fair, though, I've been to Muggle once. I used to do, uh, I used to have a chauffeuring company and I had there, there was like some high ranking policeman up there that I chauffeured and uh, Muggle's lovely. It's a nice area. Yeah, it is. It's nice. So you're from Muggle originally? Well, the thing is, growing up with that, I mean, you know, you don't have to live in it in order to be affected by it. No, and I'm not, and, and also I'm not saying that, that we're from a particularly special area. You know, if you're from Glasgow, Birmingham, Central London, if you're from Detroit, Chicago, hey, you know, but, but I'm just yeah. making the point that we, I don't think you, where we're from, you can't actually avoid violence. Sadly not. Sadly not. It seems to be in the fabric here. It really does, and you know you ha- you grow up with that permanently there in the back of your mind as a possibility. And not everybody grows up with that. Not every, even if you're from a bad yeah. city, you might never see anybody yeah. have the shit kicked out of them. You might never see anybody be glassed or stabbed. Yeah. Yeah. You've been headbutted outside of the chippy. I've been glassed. Yeah. But then as a doorman, I was bottled yeah. and all kinds of, of different things. So there is. So the point I'm making is there's violence there. So that. 
that actually warps the perception of so-called alphas, doesn't it? Of course it does, yeah, because if you grow up with that meme, if you grow up with that in your environment, you see these kind of guys out and about and you kind of know to avoid them. That, you know, that to be considered to be the alpha male, it's not a very attractive option, no, is it? No, it's not. And I, I don't know where you stand on this, actually. I don't think I've ever had this conversation with you properly. But do you, like, did I ever tell you that I think the notion of the alpha male is is oh i think i did actually i think it's nonsense i think it's a useful yeah it's a useful social construct i know what people mean when they say alpha i know what people mean when they say beta some people say i'm an alpha male but you know to be yeah. a boring pedantic psychology graduate know all it, humans can't really be alphas i mean we agree we agree on that right it's, it's yeah yeah it's we a, do a description for animals who live in packs like a wolf can be an alpha a yeah. chimp can be an alpha it's whoever is at the, the head of a pack and it doesn't it kind of conveys to human behavior but not really and i've noticed that it's actually more americans who talk about this because i think it fits the american cultural yeah. template and it's like a go-getter mm -hmm. a winner the yeah exactly a go -getter, someone who is like a pioneer type you know aggressive entrepreneurial yeah, someone who could survive the Great Depression out in America and, you know, ride his, ride his cowboy horse. <laughs> Must be thinking about Charlton Heston. There. That's He's doing still it. There. He's so <laughs> stern and masculine, but there is a gentle vulnerability in his eyes. Now you see, now you're talking. Now you're talking. Now we're getting back to this idea of what is the alpha male? Is the alpha male just a stereotype? Oh, yeah. Well then, yeah. You know. Okay, so let let me let me bring you the the idea that I think would make it a bit clearer is what I heard Mark McYoung say sounded like almost in some respects like the man with no name. So it sounded like the narrative yeah. of a cultural archetype of, of of heroism. So then it started to make me think, well, maybe it would be rather than say alpha and beta and gamma and delta and, and all of that, maybe we should start talking in Taoist terms, the superior man, Confucianist terms the superior yeah. man, or in greek terms the virtuous man um or in yeah. more modern terms uh, the renaissance man he could fight with a, yeah fight you with a sword, i think shoot so you with a weird looking pistol powder his wig and then write some poetry before dawn one thing that uh, mark mcyoung did say actually is that there are some knives that people mm. sell and they're supposed to be for self-defense and um, he was saying, you don't buy a knife for self-defense. And uh, in, his, in his article, he was talking about the type of guys that, that do buy this stuff. And in his opinion, they're like twisted beta types who have um, collections of weapons, you know, because they think these alpha males are out there trying to get them. So they build up these, connect these collections of weapons. Yes. And it's all just in their head, but it starts to take them over, you know? And some of these knives he was talking about, one of them, I can't remember what it is, but if you look on his website, you'll find out. One of them is, is a knife that is designed to kill with one, you know, it, I think it retracts, it does something anyway. <laughs> and he, he was saying, <laughs> yeah, he was saying, you know, who the fuck buys these things? There has to be something seriously wrong with them. And he was calling them violence I've... nerds. 
and saying that, you know, there are these nerdy guys, they don't have much of a social life, they can't talk to women, they get more and more and more and more bitter and twisted as time goes on. And they just build things up in their head about how everyone's out to get them, women are horrible, men are horrible. So they start these crazy weapons collections. That he would talk about my customer base in such disparaging terms. How dare. I know, that's what I, I mean, thought. He's, he's very brave to say that because his customer base, he's describing his customer base and he's describing me. I know what that feels like. I, I, I used to... Here's, here's something that I don't think I've ever told you about myself. I don't really tell many people this. I used to be obsessed with weapons to a dangerous degree, which is why as an adult, when I started mm -hmm. training in the combatives community, I know many people who are like weapons dealers, weapons trainers. They say, come to America and shoot a pistol. Do that. Right here in Malaysia, there's a bodyguard I know who does uh, training for the police combat shooting, and he's offered me many times to shoot Glocks, and I refuse because I used to be obsessed with weapons and I don't want to make it worse. To the extent that even up until a year ago, I would have a recurring dream of going into weapon shops and buying weapons. As a kid, my mum would buy, she was taking the piss out of me for this uh, just last week. She said, I would buy you like cool electric cars to build out of Lego. And you, you little fucker, you would make sawn off shotguns out of them. You would make, I was, <laughs> I was just like, but it was, um, you know how when people get an obsession, we were talking about this, weren't we, how like some people get obsessions and they yeah. get sweaty. I would have like a really weird state change. I had books on guns and loads of, oh my, I, I, so I was, I was that guy and, and, and I can see that in people. I th and I think Mark is very, very uh, brave to actually say that because his client base will fit that. What is it, what do you say he calls them? Violent what? Um, violence nerds, I think. I've seen it. You know, I talk to these yeah. guys and they see enemies everywhere. They see potential threats everywhere. And I have wondered, are they basically mm. saying that they see men who are more sexually assertive than them, perceiving, you know, through their perceptual filters, perceiving them as a threat when they're really not? They're really not interested in them at all. Mm. And then they start having violent fantasies about stabbing them in the neck. <laughs> exactly exactly because, yeah i mean as, as mark says you know a knife for self-defense um well i'd say i mean it's a, it's, it is a totally different topic but when you when you get to grips with how fucking dangerous it would be to stab somebody how easily people die through stab wounds attacks mm -hmm. like well you know you know that that's just happened to a friend of mine don't you just just last week. Tragically. Mm. And the wound that killed him was not a slash wound, but, uh, but a stab wound. Now, to the neck, yeah. The trauma that it causes is overwhelming, and you're, you're more likely to survive uh, a gunshot than you are a knife attack. So, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it is a valid point that he's making there, that there is this kind of bitter, twisted, resentful, frightened male. We could call them twisted beaters. We all know mm -hmm. what that means. Um, well, I, do mm -hmm. think, I do think that dis that's why in Street Fight Secrets, towards the end of the year, I started moving it away from like punching and kicking techniques and like started talking about self-assertiveness and saying, hey guys, maybe we should just learn to be more confident, to be more outgoing, to uh, internalize some extroverted patterns of behavior 
so that you can go up to talk and talk to Gaul, yeah. so that you can make friends with these guys who you see as being threats. They might not be threats. They might be really cool guys. Yeah. They might actually be really nice, yeah. decent guys worth hanging out with, but you know, you're you're choosing to dream about eye gouging them instead. <laughs> I wonder as well whether some of this comes from the hell of high school for a lot of people. You know, when going through the whole high school experience, if you're not a jock, if you're not the cock of the school, as we were talking about, you know, then you don't stand much of a chance with the hot chicks, you know, you get picked on by the the big muscly well, dickhead that... to the subject anyway that we were talking about, which is educated women that live in an egalitarian society in which their bodily, you know, well-being is not threatened, don't tend to go for a stereotypical alpha male, a stereotypical thug, in other words, because they don't need that kind of thing. However, when you look around here, you'll see a lot of dolly birds going out with real thuggish guys. I've, I've, You've I've seen it. I've experienced You've seen it. Being that guy that a girl of a certain mindset would choose because she's basically taking on a guard dog. If, you, if you're on steroids and you've got yeah. traps up to your ears and you've got the shaved head and the scowl and you're wanting to date a dolly bird, as you say, who's maybe like a stripper or, or, or something like that, then, yeah, she'll, she'll go for you because you're useful as a, as a guy to her within within context i've just realized i've said something that might piss some guys off or or start a debate about oh women don't just use men for blah, blah. look it's like this i'm not saying you do dear dear listener and i'm not saying that anybody you know does but out there in the real world it happens it does happen it's not i'm not saying it's right or wrong it's just a fucking function mm -hmm. of the environment isn't it it's just so these girls feel they need mm -hmm. living bodyguards so they choose guys of a particular type Yeah, I mean, there's a huge cult of the bouncer in Liverpool, as you know. The amount of girls I know that have deliberately set out to, you know, ensnare a bouncer as a boyfriend. It was all on the basis of of, uh, of status. So we've really not touched on the false economy of, of dating these so-called nice guys. The, ess the essence of that false economy is you think they're going to be nice, but actually they can be dicks. Is that, is yeah, that I think so. It, I think in a way it goes back to this, uh, you know, violence nerd thing. You could say, you know, the, the guy who feels disrespected. Not all guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, mm, how can I put it? The guy who feels disaffected and who feels like he can't have what he wants, and so he goes for, you know maybe a bit less than what he wants in life. And then he kind of overcompensates with women by thinking if he's nice, if he's really nice, then, you know, he'll get the, he'll get the girls to come closer. He, you know, maybe he has loads of female friends. Mm -hmm. So by, by behaving a little bit more like a woman, you know, like being a bit more in touch with his feelings, being a bit more touchy-feely, you know, that kind of thing, um, a bit more passive, less threatening, maybe less assertive, all of those things. You know, a woman thinks, oh, this guy's safe, you know, this guy's safe and he's a really cool guy and all the rest of it. But then, you know, once generally in, in what I have heard and seen, generally once the, the, uh, the you know, once the, the catch has happened, um, that sort of stuff wears off. And then, and then the, real, the real colours start to show. 
and, and in your experience working with clients and, and working talking to friends, what what are the kinds of problems that come through when the real self comes through? Well, the things that I've heard about have been things like addiction to porn, but not just any porn, quite sort of violent, humiliating porn. Um, yeah, that sort of stuff, you know, and not only that, but passive aggressive behavior. So instead of coming out and out and saying, I don't want that or I want this, it's more manipulative, more kind of manipulation. That's so annoying. It's annoying when anybody does it. But I've, I've noticed like guy mates of mine doing it. And um, here's, here's something else that might piss people off. I think it's guys who've been in offices for too long. They learn yeah. a gossipy, round the houses way of getting things done by manipulation. And I've had to say to some of my mates recently, it's like, do you want something from me? Can you just fucking ask me like a man? Because right, right now you're getting on my fucking nerves. Here you say This is it. This is it. This is it. If, you know, you were saying, well, what could guys do to change this? Mm. You've just said it in a nutshell. You know, maybe women have to say to these guys, do you fucking want something from me? If so, what is it? But, but do you know that this is a common, I mean, you probably don't because you, one of the things that I've noticed happens in relationships is you kind of enter like um, a time capsule. So you're in this reality tunnel. But this is one of the most common complaints that men have about women. When men Not make generalizations about women, they say, oh, women will never take the direct route. They'll always go the indirect route. Mm. If, if, if a girl is cold, she won't say, I'm cold. Can you please go and get me a blanket because I'm too lazy to move and I'm watching this film? She'll go, oh, it's cold in here. It's cold. I wish <laughs> somebody would do something. <laughs> So I, I, I'm just I'm just putting that in there because I want to be balanced and and offset the the rage that this kind of conversation can that because this kind of com, this kind of conversation clearly um, it triggers people and I don't yeah. want these conversations to be trollish because it's a cheap way of getting views and it's a cheap way of yeah. getting reactions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so oh. so yeah, I think you make a good point there that maybe women could just say in that scenario with their men. If they're being passive aggressive, they just say, hey, what is it that you're actually looking for here? I don't even think that men know, though. From what I hear with clients and in my experience, a lot of men don't know. But then if, if a woman was asked the same question directly, she may not know the answer. And I think that is the problem. So I, many I have asked women that question directly, and I can tell you they do not know. <laughs> very, they do very not know. Well, it's either, either personal relationships or with clients. If I really want to shut somebody down or freak them out, um, it's not deliberate, but you could do this. Is you just say, what do you want? What is it that you actually want? And it kind of creates this, oh, you know, the brain. You know, if you say to somebody, what are you pissed off about? What are you complaining about today? They can go into an immediate rant. I could. But if mm -hmm. you say, what is it that you want? First of all, my brain would pull a blank. Then I would start editorializing what I think you want to hear and what I think is politically appropriate and da 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 da, da. Then mm -hmm. of those bullshit things that I thought about, I would select and edit the best thing that would affirm whatever agenda I'm trying to fulfill with you. Mm-hmm. See, there you have it. There you have it. I think that's brilliant and it's a it's a great technique to have, actually. Yeah, just and as, you know. As coaches, I mean, this is where we begin, isn't it, with a client? Well, what do you want? I, I, 
I did do, I now I now don't. I kind of what I try and do is I try and figure it out because it can actually be quicker trying to figure it out than actually asking people directly. Um, because That's a good point. Because people will lie. I mean, there is a big problem, you know, speaking well, speaking openly as people who are doing therapy work with people is one of the big obstacles is that people lie. Mm. Not and they don't even mean to either. It's because they, they don't know. To. They don't mean to, they're, but they are lying to you and they're lying to themselves and, and uh, they don't want to be vulnerable, they don't want to be open and just say, mm. hey, I really, really hurt, I'm in pain, please help me. Mm. Yeah, and I think maybe when we boil it down, you know, all the things that we think we want, like the house, the car, the wife, the husband, the kids, whatever, you know, we want something else underneath. It's a... Uh... That that in itself is is a tricky one because as as I mentioned the the first draft that we did of this conversation is you know about Zizek is that cult, as he rightly points out culture doesn't just train us what to want it trains us how to want it and our mm. desires have become perverted not in the sense of sexy and we want our nipples tweaking <laughs> with a gag ball put in our mouths and then to be spanked. <laughs> That we're very, and Charlton Heston in the background watching. Oh, Charlton Heston rubbing his beard upon me, saying, "You're a bad boy." Um, it's the, the it, it's become uh, that whatever the natural drive is that was there in the first place has been so corrupted by being sold to and manipulated and all the rest of it that you don't even know what you're really feeling half the time. Then you get in a mm -hmm. relationship with somebody who also hasn't got a fucking clue what they want, what they're feeling. And then you start mm -hmm. bouncing each other's projections off each other like an echo chamber. And before long, you've driven each other fucking crazy. And you can only yeah. feel sane when you're away from that person. And as soon as you get back with them, you start feeling crazy again. Mm-hmm. And, and yet, without them, you feel start to feel crazy as well. Yeah. And hence, these kind of mutually destructive relationships often get started, don't they, or continue? Well, it's that, that's when they start calling it codependency, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, looking at this kind of false economy of dating the nice guy, maybe these nice guys don't really realize that they're not operating out of their own true self, but, you know, what they think they need to be in order to get what they think they want. Well, this is where the point is worth making as well, that, that nice in the context that we're using it isn't really nice. Nice mm. is not passion, nice is not understanding, nice is not good intention, nice mm. is a fake social mask that is worn to fulfill an agenda and it's a form of manipulation. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will nice you into bed, I will nice you into giving me what I want you to give me, I will nice you into this, nice you into that and it's not honest. Um, and I think if, you know, if women can take anything away from watching this then what I'd like them to take away is the realisation that you know, just because someone appears to be nice does not mean that they're not playing you or they're not manipulating you, they're not capable of playing you. And, you know, if your gut instinct about someone is saying something's not right here, then you have to listen to it. Well, you actually, uh, there's another combatives instructor that you read that you told me about because I've not read his book, but it was the, yeah. the, the gift uh, Gavin of Becker. Gavin DeBecker, um, The Gift of Fear. Talk, talk to the ladies. Fantastic book. I would recommend that every woman reads this book, um, especially if they live in an urban environment, because 
he says in the book that one of the problems we have now in society as a whole is we are fearful too much of the time about too many different things mm -hmm. and the fear because we are constantly having fear fed to us through the media you know mm -hmm. this could happen that could happen this has happened um that we we don't actually listen to our own intuition and throughout this book i can't remember the full background of gavin de becker but i know that he's worked at a high level in security in america like for the president and things like that he works as a security expert for Hollywood stars. Mm -hmm. And he says fear, fear mm -hmm. has its place, but intuition is the key. Right. And he tells a story in his book about a woman who woke up with a guy in her room trying to rape her, basically. Well, he did rape her. Mm -hmm. um, a stranger who, broke, who managed to get into her room. Mm -hmm. And um, he tried to get into her room several times. He tried to get into her flat several times and there's a st the story of how he manages to get in, how he manages to um, wheedle his way into her affections. Funnily enough, he does it exactly by appearing to be the nice guy, helping her with her shopping, mm -hmm. insisting on carrying the shopping up the stairs, you know, insisting on getting into the flat, insisting on having a drink and then he drugs her and he rapes her and then she wakes up and she she suddenly realizes that he's going to try and kill her right. um and he he says um i'm going to go out of the room now i'm just going to go and get some water i'll go and get you a drink and her intuition kicked in mm. she realized that he was going into the kitchen to get a knife right and she wrapped herself up in the in the uh the sheet mm -hmm. and followed him out of the room mm -hmm. so every time he put a foot down she put a foot down so he couldn't hear her walking yeah. and then luckily the door was still ajar from when he'd come in he'd never shut the door and um she she legged it across the hall and she knew that the neighbor's door was going to be open somehow she just knew yeah the neighbor's door was open and she walked in and that's how she escaped so it was the one of the core messages of the book i i, I have to admit i've not read it even though it's highly recommended in the combatives community uh, yeah it's a great the, book the, the core message is listen to your intuition if you have an instinct about somebody don't just fucking push it back down listen to it yeah yeah and i would say that the reason that we don't listen to our intuition is because our head gets in the way and so it would be like oh but he's such a nice guy everybody likes him so I, he's I'm... not threatening he doesn't have big muscles <laughs> he carries shopping for old ladies so I have to ask you a leading question here because I have a obviously I have a personal theory on this. Do you think that this is a message and a book that is more important for women or for men? Which the listen to your intuition thing? Yep. I think women are probably more likely to be predated upon for various reasons. And you know, manipulated. I mean yeah, men get predated upon too, but it's a bit different, isn't it? I think it's usually a bit more open and outright with guys. No, it, I think it, it is different. You know that I'm pro-egalitarianism with men and women, but at the end of the day, we can squat and deadlift and bench more than you can. So, like, if me and you had a wrestling match right now, I'm probably going <laughs> to win. As yeah. Louis, as, as Louis C.K. puts it in there, is, is one of his stand-ups, it's called Oh My God. He says, when women have sex with a man it's it's actually a really brave decision because yeah. what she's consenting to is having sex with like 
a lion bear mutant that wants to angrily shoot this sperm into you. <laughs> Ultimately, you're having sex with somebody who is physically stronger than you, who could really hurt you at any time, and who could hurt you by mistake, even. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Heavier, stronger, bigger. So, so yeah. Th- so, so there is that. What I was really driving at is, do you think that men or women's intuition is more warped, more uh, interfered with culturally? I think probably both, but um, there's a there's a Jungian um, psychologist and author called Clarissa Pinkola Estes. I don't know if you've heard of her. She no, wrote. I remember that name. <laughs> I know. Yeah, she's a Mexican American. She wrote a book called Women Who Run with the Wolves, and in it she describes um, this, and she calls it the state of being instinct injured. I I I would uh, I'm I'm going to go. I I'm not. I haven't read this, but I'm going to go right ahead and say at this point that I think that women are more instinct injured than men are. Yeah. Yeah. Why does she say? Why does she say it? Continue. Continue on. I'm she sorry. Uh, she uses a lot of fairy tales. That's what the book is about. She takes fairy tales and deconstructs them, or cultural tales. And in the book, um, she uses the story of Bluebeard as an as an example of how a woman becomes uh, instinct injured, and that is. Bluebeard is this murderer who murders all his wives and he hides the bodies in the basement and he keeps getting new wives and says to them, never go down to the basement. And, uh, you know, there's a special key that they need to get into the basement to find all the bodies. and None of them ever do. So they all end up in the basement. But this one woman, <laughs> this one woman who he marries manages to get the magical key and goes in and sees all these bodies there and uh, manages to escape. That's the, you know, that's the really rubbish version of the story. And um, <laughs> the, the key, the key, according to her, is, the in, is your instinct. Right. So the key to knowing that there's something not right here, there's something in the basement, why doesn't he want me to go down there? You know, I can't get the key. Well, you know, they get the key, go down and see that there are all these bodies down there. Um, so she uses those stories in order to kind of explore different psychological themes. And she says that we become disconnected from our instinct when we start paying attention to the things that matter to us and start paying attention to what matters out there in the world. So thinking more about, you know, how a person wants to appear than how they actually feel about things. Yeah. Yeah. I, Such I'll, as, I'll, you know. You go. You go. Uh, my eyebrows are telling you to go. Look. No, you go. You go. <laughs> I was just, I was just going to say. It seems, um, obviously, both men and women have, have uh, instinct injured because we're the most marketed to humans on the face of the planet in human history. Mm-hmm. More advertising now than ever before. There is a policeman inside of our heads, and he must be destroyed, as the Adam Curtis documentary states. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it's worse amongst women. I think there's more self-editing. I think the root of mm. destroying your own intuition is self-editing, and there's more self-editing than, than there is in men. This is uh, let me mm-hmm. let me give a footnote here. This is my subjective opinion. It's not a fact. I'm sorry if it offended you. It's not my intention to offend anybody listening to this. How did I do? Um, really well. I think though, unless we accept that this is real, we're putting ourselves under threat all the time. Unless we, you know, recognise, okay. I have this instinct about someone. Oh, it's just me being paranoid. 
Oh, they're perfectly fine and really nice anyway. Who is this handsome guy with a broken leg who seems to need help with his car, a.k.a. Ted Bundy? You know, people play on on that kind of self-editing. On Maybe what we really should be talking about is the injunction to be nice across the board, not just men trying to be nice to get, you know, into women's favour, but women... Well, if we'd, if we'd done that, um, then we wouldn't have had all the angry comments on the last video. So, yeah. so yes, you're 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 absolutely right there. If we just discussed, if we'd said um, the dangers of dating manipulative people or something like that, but I just like the title, the false economy of dating nice guys, and it, it it gets lots of views. But no, at the core of this, we are we are really talking about people who are insincere, people who are manipulative, people who are abusive, narcissistic, uh, toxic personality types who want to exploit your good nature in some yeah. way. Whether it's sexual yeah. or it could be financial or it could, it could be anything in life. Yeah. Um, yeah, and a person who hasn't grown up and doesn't want to take responsibility for themselves, male or female, who comes across as being really nice and harmless and all the rest of it, but who wants to get in there like a cuckoo in the nest and, you know, attached to the teat, as we discussed before. Suckle greedily at the teat. Yeah, you know, you know the story of what cuckoos do, don't you? They get into someone else's nest and they're they're huge and so they drain the resources out of the, the birds that they infiltrate. And the babies often they often die. Yeah, the babies of the actual birds often die, whereas the cuckoo just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So, so parasite birds, are they? Yeah, essentially they are, yeah. So I suppose that's what we're talking about in a way. And, you know, the other thing is that culturally this is acceptable for women to do. It's okay for a woman to, you know, seek out, as we've discussed before, a high-value male who can be a good provider. Oh, goodness me. What are you doing? You're now courting the hatred of women across the globe and men are applauding you wildly. What are you saying? That it's culturally considered acceptable for women to exploit men? Is that what you're saying? Is that what you're saying? Confess, confess. No. No. Confess and be absolved. I don't think it's necessarily exploitation. I think it's called a business deal. Okay. They, a lot of people know what they're getting into with this. You know, let's not be naive about it. These guys are like, okay. You, sound, you, know? you sounded like Zizek then for a second. <laughs> not be naive in the truly Lacanian sense. <laughs> so you think a lot of these guys know that they're getting trophy wives? And they know yeah. that they're having a, a, an exchange of how pretty the wife is for how much money is in his bank account. And of course. Like yeah. You look throughout yes. Cheshire, places like, you know, um, Alderley Edge, places like that, you know, where all the footballers hang out. You go to any of the bars around there and you'll see it in full effect. But what you said a couple of minutes ago is that it's culturally considered more acceptable for women to do this. Than for men. Yeah, if a guy wants to do that, if a guy wants to latch on to a woman and get her to be the provider, yeah, which some of these so-called nice guys do seem to want to do, it has to be yeah. said because they haven't quite made their way in the world yet. Mm. You know, they go into these relationships in what I have observed anyway, you know, and I've discussed with clients and friends, they go into these relationships and what I've seen is they go from one well-established woman who's got her own house, own car, maybe a kid with someone else or whatever, own money. They go from one of these women to another, like a little cuckoo getting fed, you know. Each time one boots them out, they go and find another one. And, you know, 
it seems to be a, a trend, especially amongst guys of our sort of generation. I've seen it quite a lot. And they're usually new agey kind of new man hippie type guys. But across the border, uh, sort of cultural landscape, you're saying it's it's more normal and more acceptable generally that we see women doing that. I think so. Yeah. It, Don't it, you it, abso so? it, it absolutely is. I'm just I'm just asking you to confirm. Yeah, of course, of course, because you know if a woman goes into a situation where a man is the provider, don't forget. We're not getting into evolutionary psychology here, but no, no, if she no, has, no, no. I, I, she I, has kids, she has kids to this guy. If he wants kids, and if she has the kids, someone needs to look after her while she looks after the kids. If that's not going to be no, I think I think you're you're making a really good point there that 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 you expressed that. Let me reinforce it. We're not talking evolutionary psychology. We're not talking genetic determinism. There isn't a propensity amongst women to be. Uh, more exploitative than men. I have seen fuck all evidence of that in yeah. over 12 years of, of training and coaching people. There is no gender difference in exploitation. There is no gender difference in cruelty. There really no. isn't a gender difference in, in, in violence. If you extend violence to psychological and emotional abuse as well, there's only a question of what, what a person can and cannot do. Um, yeah. So, so there is no, we're not, Maybe that's how we avoid the upsetting people is by avoiding any suggestion that it is gender, uh, gender specific. Yes, yeah, yeah. People who play nice in order to get what they want, but mm. they're not really nice. And that's that's the essence of what we're talking about here. Fake. Yeah, male or female, male or female, like these guys that I knew, playing really, really, really nice, harmless hippie guys. You know, wouldn't hurt a fly. Go from woman to woman to woman, and actually, you know, were quite harmful, like domestic violence. Police had to be called. This is what I'm talking about. There have been times where you've been unwilling to condemn another girl who's been mean because you don't want to be the person who condemns another human being. I remember we had that conversation. Doesn't that, would that extend to meeting a guy, knowing he's a bit dodgy, but having this? Like injunction inside of yourself. Don't don't criticize him. Don't write him off for being a thug. Don't. Would that also fit in with this thing of being uh, instinct injured or or over self editing? I think it would. And you know, I've been thinking about that because I tend to be a right weirdo magnet, as you know. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about what this is. You know, obviously not uh, not kind of telling any details, but I, you know, privately shared with you a conversation that I had just yesterday with a potential client mm -hmm. and um, I think part of it for me is that you know when you're trained as a therapist you're trained to have unconditional positive regard for that person Shit. damn you just said something deep Fuck. go on and so you know you are trained to be able to see even if they're telling you I don't know, that they want to fuck their granny or something. As a therapist, you're trained to have unconditional positive regard for people, and that can influence how you are and how you act in your own personal life, I think. So instead of getting that feeling of revulsion, I used to have that feeling a lot as a teenager and in my 20s, like, ooh, get away from me, you know? Yep. Creepy, creepy guy. Oh, I wouldn't even feel a revulsion. I'd just feel complete, like, non-interest. Like this one guy I met, I later found out was wanted for double murder by Interpol. And uh, 
friends kept trying to set, up, set us up on a date. Yeah, nice. Thanks, friend. And um, when I met him, I just I just looked at him as if he was, I don't know, a spider on the pavement or something. I had no interest, no draw, nothing towards him whatsoever. And I just walked away. And that's what I mean. You kind of that was my instinct. But then as I got older and I went through my training, I started to think, oh, but they're still a human being. That, the reason why I groaned before is because I've noticed, actually, I'm getting guilty of this myself, is this, um, you, you play the role of the, of the psychologist, of the therapist, and you're actually not allowed to condemn anybody. Well, mm -hmm. then you're back into, you're basically modeling personality traits like naivety over-conscientiousness and an yeah. unwillingness to set boundaries and say no. Which yeah. is what? It's the fucking personality template of somebody who's a walkover, of somebody who's open to abuse. This is unacceptable. We have to we have to re we have to retrain these things. Oh my God, Richie, you you're spot on. And if you if you add to that living in a sort of you know a, a culture at the moment which really prizes kind of spirituality as well like the whole you know new spirituality scene that's happening amongst lots and lots of people of our generation and even younger now mm. uh, then that doesn't exactly help matters no because how can you okay okay let me frame it as a question rather than a statement is it ever necessary to simply write somebody off and say look i cannot and will not deal with you i would say yes it is I would say 100% yes. And if you stick me in a black suit and put a badge around my neck and stand me on a door and have me holding a radio, that's all I do all night. Which is saying, no, 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 I don't want you in my club because you're clearly a prick. But you put me in a therapy environment and I'm like, oh, well, hmm, let me see now. Maybe you're acting, maybe you're manifesting the behaviors of a total wanker because, you know, your father didn't go, you know. And you start making up excuses for people. Well, making yeah. up excuses for for people is the behavior pattern of somebody who is open to abuse all people who are open to abuse make up excuses for their abusers that is so true he that is hit so me true. because i didn't make the lasagna right and that kind of yeah know, and i deserved it yeah and, and i deserved it and actually it. actually you know what i think we've got we've hit on something really important here because when people work in, in you know, so, sociological um, sciences, the psychological sciences, religion, spirituality, whatever, I see this happening all the time. I see it happening to someone I know very, very well. Just last night, oh yeah, my boyfriend, he's, he's doing this, he's doing that. But you know, he was so damaged in his childhood. Dude, I was, I was there with uh, both my exes because I knew they had, one had a father who was a narcissist and the, well, they both had narcissistic fathers. Uh, who one physically abandoned and the other one emotionally abandoned. So every time they did anything wrong, I would go into therapy mode and go, yeah, but you know, her dad didn't cuddle her enough. And yeah. it's, it's a, that's a boundary issue because it's like, well, hang on a second. Are you her therapist or are you her boyfriend? <laughs> now here's a title for a whole new conversation. Are you their therapist or are you their partner or boyfriend or girl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, now what is this about? What on earth is this about? This it's is really roles, interesting. It's roles and boundaries. It's roles and boundaries. Because if I put you in, not as a doorman maybe, but it's say I put you in as that girl with clipboard, the yeah. hostess on a club, 
and I gave you a different role, I don't think you would have a problem writing people off. But then you're only writing them off from, from a club. Hmm, let's see now. I think it's the role. I think it's the role you play. I think it's just like, this is my persona. This is what I'm supposed to do. And as a therapist, I'm not supposed to say no to people. But actually, you you kind of have to. Well, I mean, yes, it, it's true that. I think we need to have this unconditional positive regard when we're in a therapeutic setting. But in our personal lives and our personal relationships, no. But how do we then... If we don't have, if, if in our work, which we do every day or, you know, whenever, um, we have to have this construct and this way of behaving, and then in our personal lives, we have to create a whole other construct and way of behaving. Mm. It's a difficult one to move between, isn't it? Or it could be. In the combatives game, I'd call this a super state. The idea of a super yeah. state that you create a split in your personality that is a separate personality that handles different areas of your life so that if I was going to train you to defend yourself from somebody who was going to attack you, to mug you, to rape you, to murder you, I would need to create a split in your personality that was a savage primal animal that yeah. could, without question, bite a chunk out of a guy's cheek, that could pop his eyes back into the back of his skull or whatever hideous violence you needed to inflict. And the end of you. Well, we plugged Mark McYoung, we've plugged, we've plugged Gavin De Becker, we should plug Dr. Ruthless, Melissa Salt. Um, you, just, you just said it, the Neander Babe concept. She comes up with this idea that, you know, when she trains women, she's a, she's a self-defense expert based in New York, I think. Melissa Salt, also known by the pen name Dr. Ruthless, and she trains women to think of themselves as uh, Neander Babes. It might be hard to hear what I'm saying. I'm saying a Neanderthal, but you take off the full and say babe. And she reminds women, we've been defending the brood for millennia. We fucking kill the snakes. You, you know, we smash the tiger's head in. If, if daddy's away doing his hunter-gathering thing, then we smash the tiger's head in and protect the children. Mm -hmm. And in reminding women and altering that self-image and saying, you're not weak. You're not passive. You're not just somebody who's going to try and make themselves pretty to capture the attention of women, which is a pathetic and awful position to put yourself in, to be just that, mm -hmm. to have that as all you are. Mm -hmm. You're actually strong. You're actually tough. You can actually fight. She reminds him to do that, but she calls it uh, get, getting in touch with your inner Neander babe. I just love that concept. I think it's absolutely great. And I think that, you know, when you think about the instinct injured uh, concept, and you put it with the Neander babe idea, then I think we need more of that. Yeah. But going back, going back to what we were saying about the, um, how did we put it? Super, super state. Yeah, you create a split in your personality. So, so you're you taking go, notes. You're taking uh, notes of things like you take my words seriously enough to write them down. Only if <laughs> did you. you <laughs> did you write down Charlton Heston's beautiful beard? If you <laughs> Sorry, carry on. What, what were you saying? You were saying that, so one, one possible way of dealing with this would be you create a super state. So you go from empathic, therapeutic, um, you know, person with unconditional positive regard. And then you create mm. another super state to get into your daily life in which you, you know, you don't have that for everyone you come into contact with. This now actually expands from that. If you talk about 
artists who were hurt in their artistry and now their artistic career is damaged by the fact they were hurt in their artistry yeah and their need to get back into it means that they have to fulfill a different role like say if somebody was a musician and then they they were coming back and they needed to be more of an entrepreneur not yeah. just a creative mm -hmm. that's part of that super state isn't it that's mm -hmm. part of that role Mm -hmm. So I guess we've got to explicitly recognize the changing terrain, the changing roles, and then fucking fulfill that role. It's a, it's a tall order, not impossible, but the extent to which we explicitly and accurately recognize the needs of the role will be the extent to which we are successful in fulfilling that role.